Matthew 7, 24 through 27. Is anyone who listens to my teachings and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes and torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. These words are straight from Jesus' mouth in the book of Matthew. And I love the visual that, that Jesus uses here. He says there's two very different ways that you can build your life. We can either build our lives on a solid foundation, rock, or we can build our lives on a faulty foundation, which is sand. And whichever foundation you choose to build on will give you two very, very different results, very different outcomes. And although I love the visual that Jesus uses here with these foundations, he also speaks of two words that kind of stick out to me. They jumped out to me off the page here. He says two words that Jesus says that make all the difference in the world. It's that we can either build our life on a foundation of wisdom, the rock, or foolishness, sand. And I don't know anyone who walks around wanting to be labeled a fool. I don't know anyone who just desires to be known for being foolish. I think and believe all of us here want to be known for being wise, making wise decisions. That's important. But, but how we live our lives, the decisions that we make every single day, and ultimately the foundation that we build our lives on are going to determine, are you going to be wise or are you going to be a fool? You know, these two themes are repeated over and over in practical ways throughout the, the book of Proverbs. And, and that's where, where we want to spend our time together this morning. Excuse me, I'm, I'm having trouble, Frank. Help me, please. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but we're, we're going to be in the book of Proverbs, and that's where we want to spend our time. And, and I'm borrowing some of these things from Pastor Tim and Kathy Keller. They, they wrote this devotional that, that I've been looking into recently, and I want to encourage each of you to look into this as well. If you're looking for a daily devotional, uh, this is a great one. It helped me to really understand the Proverbs in such, in such a, a more practical way. And I love how they, they tell us and help us to understand and define what the Proverbs are. And they say this, that a proverb is a poetic terse, vivid, thought-provoking, saying that conveys a world of truth in a few words. There are neither absolute command nor promises, they are observations about how life works. In other words, the Proverbs aren't absolute rules for you to follow. And the Proverbs aren't making you any promises whatsoever. They are, however, giving you a, a clearer understanding of how to live life and how to, uh, how to live life and work God's way. 
Proverbs are giving us this, this building block, this foundation on how to build on wisdom, not foolishness. And so right off the bat in chapter 1 of Proverbs, verse 7, Solomon, who is the author of Proverbs and arguably the wisest man that ever walked the face of this earth, he paints a clear picture of what this actually means. And these are the words from Solomon. He says, fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and discipline. I want to look at the last part of this verse first, where he says, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. I wonder, when you think of a fool, what do you think of? Or, or maybe the question should be, when you think of a fool, who do you think of? If it's the person next to you, don't say anything. <laughs> it's going to make the hour awkward. It'll make your lunch miserable, I promise. When you think of a fool, who comes to mind? I wonder, I wonder how many people in here have thought about yourself. Probably not many. And honestly, that is the exact problem. There are those of us in this room that are building a life on a foolish foundation, one that Jesus says is going to eventually come to complete ruin, and we may not even know it. You know, there's a different, this is the very definition of what a fool is. It's someone who, who's completely self-absorbed, one who only thinks about, cares about, and lives for themselves. And though there are times when this fool may appear to care about others, I promise you that they're only using people as a means to an end for their own purposes. They don't really care about others. The fools, they despise wisdom. Fools despise discipline, which ultimately comes from God. If God were to go to a fool and say, fool... Here's how you can become a better spouse. Here's how you can become a better employee or employer, a better parent. Here's how to manage your money in a better way. Here's how to use your words uh, to be more helpful, not hurtful. If God himself were to tell a fool how to do those things, the fool would disregard it. Wouldn't listen. In fact, you may hear the fool actually say things like this. Well... He doesn't really understand my predicament, so he can't be talking to me. Or the fool would say things like, well, that's old stuff, the Bible. It doesn't really help us in today's world, in my life today. It's not very helpful. Or even the fool might say something like this. Don't tell me how to live my life. I don't need your help. I can do this on my own. Now are you picturing someone in your mind? And it's interesting that the fool can't stand being told they're wrong. They can't stand to change. And I think Jesus was confronted with him himself right in Matthew after his masterful sermon on the mount. Matthew tells us this. He says, the crowds around were amazed at Jesus's teaching. These crowds had never heard anything like what Jesus was saying before. And most of the crowd, it went in one ear and it went right out the other. How do we know this? Because, because Matthew were, used the word amazed. 
Amazed here is telling, amazed, this word literally means that the crowd was mesmerized by Jesus, that they were astonished, they were even blown away by what he had to say, but that's where it ended. There was all emotion, but no application whatsoever. It went in one ear and straight out the other. Unfortunately, it'll be the fool in this room this morning that won't want to give any consideration to the things that the Proverbs has to teach us today. But Jesus says there's, there's another way to build our lives. There's, a, there's another foundation we can build on, a rock-solid, wise foundation. And in the first part of that uh, proverb that Solomon was speaking in, in chapter 1, verse 7, he says, Fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge. A wise person is the fear of the Lord, the foundation. Immediately, though, we associate this word fear with something that's not accurate. A lot of us, we, we, we've misinterpreted this, this word, and we've, and we've thought of this word fear as meaning to be scared of. That we need to be scared of the Lord, like we're scared of thunderstorms or, or, or spiders or, or the dark or snakes. Snakes. This is not, though, the kind of fear that Solomon is speaking of. I, again, I'm, I'm borrowing this from Tim and Kathy Keller because they define this fear saying it's not cringing terror, but an attitude of awe, of wonder before the faithful covenant love of God. A living, vital relationship with God is wisdom's absolute prerequisite. While the fool is obsessed with their self, the, the wise person is obsessed with who God is and how to live life God's way. They recognize that to live a purposeful, to live a meaningful life means that they need to humble themselves before God's leadership no matter what that looks like. And I'm not standing here today in front of you to say, I've done this well. I'm not standing here in front of you today because I've done this perfectly. I'm not standing here in front of you today because this is easy. I'm not standing here today because, because uh, and even thinking that God might be saying, well, when you do this or that, it's going to be an easy choice for you. No, some of the choices you make will be challenging. Some of them will make you uncomfortable. But they're still wise. I've wrestled with God over and over, many times. I've traveled my own path many times. And I'm thankful that, that God, in His, God in His infinite grace, His infinite mercy, has loved me in spite of me. I'm so grateful. So for the rest of our time today, though, I want to look at four main themes that we see throughout Proverbs. These are, these are not the only themes that we see in Proverbs, but they're the ones that seem to come up regularly. It's the ones where, where every day we're going to be faced with choices to either be wise or to be foolish, to build on rock or to sand. 
So I want to look at four main themes that we all wrestle with in our lives today. And then after each of these themes, I'm going to give us some, some questions to reflect on. Some questions that I hope, if answered honestly, will, will help you to, to realize, am I building on sand or rock? All I ask today, all I ask is that each of you would be completely honest with yourself and with God as we're looking at some of these questions. And then I've also included on your, on your message notes today, I've included a lot of different Proverbs, ones that I am not going to be referring to uh, because there's just not enough time. But maybe in your time with the Lord this week, they're there for you. If you want to pull them up and use them, they're there. Take advantage of that. So our first theme that I want to look at today is this. The foundation of laziness over the foundation of hard work. Laziness or hard work. And I want to specifically look at Proverbs 6, 6 through 11, which provides us with this, this illustration, kind of a surprise illustration from nature. This is what Solomon says. Take a lesson from the ants, you lazy bones. Learn from their ways and become wise. Though they have no prince or governor or ruler to make them work, they labor hard all summer gathering food for the winter. But you, lazy bones, how long will you sleep? When will you wake up? A little extra sleep, a little more slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, then poverty will pounce on you like a bandit. Scarcity will attack you like an armed robber. Have you ever thought of an ant as a sign of wisdom? I admit, I had not. And yet it makes complete sense here as I read the scripture because, because an ant is both motivated and disciplined. An ant is motivated because you never have to tell an ant to work. You never have to tell it to do its job. It just does its job. And you never have to discipline an ant. An ant shows restraint. It shows delayed gratification, putting away for hard times. It knows that the daily grind of hard work pays off in the end because when they have nothing, they have a supply to choose from. An ant is wise. But let me, let me say this. this is, the proverb is not saying this. It is not saying that rest is a bad thing. It's not saying we should never rest. It's not saying that we shouldn't relax or take time to just spend and do nothing. It's not saying that. It, it's, it's, it, it, we know that, that rest is an important part of staying healthy, both physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally. We need rest. Rest is good for our relationships. So we know that this proverb is not speaking to that. This proverb is, however, speaking to the lazy, to the unmotivated, to the careless nature of who we can be and how we live our lives. We see in this proverb that, that the lazy is, is always putting things off. They never want to face reality. And whether, whether it's wanting to get healthy, whether it's wanting to be a better parent, a better spouse, build their relationships better, do better at their job, handle their money better, whatever it is, 
They're always making excuses. They're always rationalize reasons why they can't work hard to make the necessary changes. And I bet you you all know people like this because they blame you why they can't change. It's everyone else's fault around them why they can't do what they need to do. It's never their fault. That's the fool. And they're missing out on, on opportunities that God has for the best for them. They're missing it. You know, I admit, I admit that I, I had to pray about this one this week a lot. I've never, I've never thought of myself before as being, being lazy. In fact, I work hard. I work hard at all I do. And yet, as I considered and I pondered and I prayed about this, I, I came to a realization that I could pinpoint areas in my life, areas in my life where I have been lazy or I still am being lazy. I found myself saying things like this, well, I just don't have time to change. I don't have, I don't have time to do that thing that I know I need to do. Or, or I found myself saying things like, well, someday I'll, I'll do it. Someday I'll get to that. And I put it off and I avoided. And I've even found myself blaming others for why I couldn't do something. So I struggled with this and I asked myself some questions. They're the same questions I want to ask you this morning. So I wonder, would you consider these? Ask yourself, what does your work ethic look like when no one is looking over your shoulder? It's easy to work hard when your boss is watching. What happens when he's not, when she's not, when they're off in another room and you're left alone? What does your work ethic look like then? Is there any area of your life that is slipping away because you're not getting to work on it? Maybe it's finances, maybe it's health, maybe it's relationships. Is there something that you are not working on that you know you need to and it's slipping away from you? Before we move on to theme two, I want to give you a moment just to pray and ask the Lord, open your heart. As you reflect on these questions, just quietly to yourself at your seat. Take a minute right now and do that. Let's do that. All right, theme two. Are you building a, a, a foundation on people that bring you down or on people that bring you up? And in fact, Proverbs 13, 20 says this, walk with the wise and become wise, associate with fools and get in trouble. Wouldn't you love for your kids to memorize this verse before they go back to school in the fall? But maybe before they do, we should memorize it. You know, when Solomon says here that associating with fools gets us in trouble, he can mean a lot of things. But let me tell you what he doesn't mean first. Solomon doesn't mean here that we shouldn't be around people that are different than us. Solomon doesn't say that we should only hang around like-minded followers of Jesus Christ. That is not what he's saying. We know this because look at who Jesus hung out with. 
Jesus always was with people different than him. Jesus always was hanging out with the down and outers. So we know that this is not what Solomon has in mind when he says this. Solomon is speaking here, though, to the people that we are influenced by, the people that we seek wisdom from, that we seek advice from and counsel from, people, people who will encourage and lift us up when we're down and people who are willing to speak truth and grace to us when, when, when we're going off course. You know, friends, friends who don't encourage you in your faith journey or that do encourage you to make choices that are causing you to concede who you are and what you value to the core, those are not true friends. Wise friends, wise friends are willing to say hard things to you in love because they care about who you're becoming as a person. They're a constant source of encouragement. Whether life's going well or whether you're struggling, you leave the presence of that person feeling more empowered to become a better spouse, a better parent, a better friend, and a better Christ follower. That is a true friend. And these friends are described in Proverbs 18.34 that says, Friends come, friends go, but a true friend sticks by you like family. I have a very small handful of these people in my life. Friends that I would say are my family. It's a small handful of guys that I would go to for counsel that I go to for advice, that I go to for prayers, that I go to to watch football with. It's a small handful of guys. I consider them to be my family. I can be myself around them. I never have to compromise who I am in order to gain their approval. Never. So I'm going to ask you the same questions that I wrestled with this week on my own. And I want you to consider this. Ask yourself. Are your close friends leading you to compromise who you are or what you value? Are your close friends adding to or subtracting from your faith? The same as before, I'm going to give you a moment. Pray, ask the Lord to open your heart as you reflect on these questions alone at your seat. Do that now. All right, our third theme this morning has to do with building a foundation on our words. Are our words helpful or are they hurtful? You know, Proverbs 10.20 says, The words of the godly are like sterling silver. The heart of the fool is worthless. And then it goes on to say in Proverbs 12, Fools think their own way is right, but wise men listen to others. A fool is quick-tempered, but a wise person stays calm when insulted. You know, an average person speaks about 16,000 words per day. I know you're thinking, I know someone who speaks a lot more than that. Yes, but the average person speaks 16,000 words. That means you have 16,000 opportunities to either be helpful 
or to be hurtful. You know, later in Proverbs chapter 12, it tells us that fools wield their words like a sword, that these words pierce the heart and soul as they speak recklessly, compulsively, angrily. Foolish people love to gossip, love to tear others down, and they may even speak words of truth to you, but I promise you, even in their truth, they speak bluntly, without gentleness, without kindness. Even in their rebuke, they're not doing so with grace and love, and it hurts every time. However, the words of the wise, they're, they're life Giving. Solomon refers the words of the wise here to like sterling silver. That is silver that is set apart without any impurities. He's saying that the words of the wise are, are so pure, so life-giving, so truthful, so gentle, and so kind that you feel like God himself is speaking to you. The wise don't try to to use their words to hurt anyone. And if they do, they're quick to apologize and ask for forgiveness. I, I admit, again this week, thinking about this theme, I was challenged because, because I don't know that I always use my words in a helpful way. In fact, as I was praying through this, things kept popping into my mind of times when I had done this well. And yet there are people in this room today I know are here that do use their, wise, their words wise. I know there are people in this room that they, they encourage others with life-giving words. There are people that you walk away from and you feel as though your heart is just full. You know, to me, um, I think in my life, Pastor Todd has been this. Todd is always encouraging me. Whether I'm doing well or whether I'm struggling, Pastor Todd is always speaking words of encouragement. He's always raising me up. He's always elevating me. And then there's times when I know he has to talk to me about something hard. I know we've had a disagreement or I know he needs to confront me about something. And he does it so gracefully and so full of love and so kind that I still walk away being uplifted. Todd is the only man I know that can yell at you and you feel great about it. He's just got that foundation of using his words with wisdom. I want to be wise with my words. So I ask you the same questions that I asked myself this week. Maybe ask yourself this morning, are you trying to win an argument? Are you trying to punish or, or get back, I should say, by embarrassing the other person? Are you being defensive? Are you complaining? Are you trying to make yourself look good to others? Same as before, take a minute and pray. And ask the Lord to open your heart to this as you reflect on these questions alone at your seat right now. Take a moment to do that.
All right, our last theme this morning is this. It has to do with our resources, those things that God has entrusted to each of us. Do my resources belong to God or do my resources belong to me? In Proverbs 3, it says, Honor God with everything you own. Give him the first and the best. And it goes on in Proverbs 15, 16 to say, It's better to have little with fear of the Lord than to have great treasure in inner turmoil. I hate to say it, but there is a direct correlation between our bank accounts and our hearts. You know, I'm not talking here either about how much money we have. That is not the issue because some people in here have a whole lot and some people in here have a whole little. That's not the issue. The issue is who has control of what you have. Is it God or is it you? Because if you, if you have a tight grip on your resources, no matter how much you have, we will be the person described at the end of Proverbs 15, 16. We will have inner turmoil. We'll constantly feel like we never have enough. We'll compare what we do have to what everyone else has, or we'll define ourselves by what we have. And you know what happens when we live life this way? We begin to have anxiety. We begin to have fear. We begin to have insecurities. All of those things creep into our lives when we have control and not God. The wise person may have a little or a lot. That's not the issue. But what makes them wise is that they have loosened their grip on their resources in order to give total control to God. They recognize that God has blessed them, so now they can be a blessing to others. They're grateful for what they have instead of constantly complaining and being frustrated about what they want or don't have. The wise seem to be ultra-frugal and yet ridiculously generous all at the same time. They don't feel the need to keep up with others. They're free. They are free from the bondage of comparison. They're free. So I ask myself these questions. I ask you this morning, would you consider these? Frank, will you help me? Thank you, sir. I'm striving to, am I striving to live a life of self-indulgence or a life of self-sacrifice? Am I generous only when it benefits me. Again, take a moment. Pray about this for a second. Ask the Lord to open your heart as you reflect on these questions. Let's do that now. So if you're in here this morning and maybe you've been reflecting on these questions and Maybe you're even thinking, man, I'm doing okay. I think in a lot of these areas, I'm being wise. I'm trying to be wise. I'm making good choices. I'm trying to make God the foundation of what I'm building my life on. And if that's you, man, be encouraged. Continue to make good choices. Continue to trust the Lord with all that you have, with your words. Continue to go to Him. Continue to build on Him. And if you're in here and you're saying, you know Ah, some of these questions, I'm not sure. I think I'm, I think I'm being foolish in some of these areas. If that's you, then be encouraged too, because, because if your heart is open to it and you're willing, 
God can do incredible stuff. You can rebuild your foundation right where you are right now. He can do that in your life. There's hope and there's grace and there's a lot of love. I know because I've been a recipient of all of it myself. So trust in that. It's interesting, before giving this message, I've been talking to this guy, and, and this guy has recently discovered that he had been building his house on, on a bad foundation, a foolish foundation, and, and some storms in life had come, hit his house, and his foundation was beginning to crumble around him, and he recognized this. I'd say this man was even, I think, what's the word, up? Uh, privileged, he had privileged. He was a life of he had a life of privilege. He grew up in money. He had money. He was educated. Great job. Good looking guy. Healthy. He had everything we would look at and say he is it. And yet his foundation was crumbling around him. And this is what he sent me. He wrote, "I've always based my life on something that isn't God." whether it was a relationship or a career or whatever. It's always been something else. Well, when that something is completely taken away, you have to decide what to do next. And I wasn't going back to where I was. He was picking up the pieces and rebuilding on rock. And, and, and he sent me this picture. It doesn't look like much. But... It's a, it's a piece of paper that he's gluing uh, popsicle sticks to with verses on it. Verses that now that he is spending time with the Lord and he's in the Word and he's coming across these Scripture verses during his devotions that are impacting him, that he wants to remember, that he wants to begin building his new foundation upon, he's gluing them to this page as a representation, as a symbol of his new foundation in Christ. It doesn't look like much, but for him, this picture means everything because it's a picture of him losing the sand and replacing it with the rock. He's building his foundation on wisdom now, and I know that this is the best part for him, that in life, when storms hit, he's going to be okay. He's going to be okay for the rest of his life because his foundation cannot be washed away. He's a wise builder now. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. Like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rains come in torrents and floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish. Like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. Two foundations, two possibilities, two choices. I pray that you choose wisely. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the privilege of sharing from your word. I don't take that responsibility lightly. I thank you for it. Lord, I thank you for the people in this room. I thank you for those that are building on a wise foundation. And Lord, for the ones that are in here and recognize maybe they're not. Lord, I thank you for your grace and love. Would you encourage them, support them, help them? 
Lord, you are our rock, you are our redeemer, and we trust you. It's in your name I pray this. Amen.